Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. is the main event, Mark's podcast on the Unhinged Sports Network. I am your first host, lifelong wrestling fan and cat dad, Troy. And with me as always, he is the WWE walking wrestling encyclopedia and the main event collector. He is a Jerry Sags, my Brian Knobs, as nasty as he wants to be. He's Greg. What's up, Greg? Ew. <laughs> Hey, I'm the one who apparently showed his butthole to a bunch of people on the internet, okay? So, you got off good with this deal. <laughs> Why is this a known fact? <clears throat> uh, I don't know. I, I know there was a, an episode of Tony Schiavone's podcast, I I think it was his, where uh, Conrad was like, have you seen Brian Knobs' butthole? And he's like, um, no, I haven't, and I don't want to. That's so gross. Yeah, I know. Uh, 
Well, uh, there's more grossness with the Nasty Boys to get into on this one, man. <laughs> I think you know the uh, scene oh, I'm talking God, about. Yes, that's right. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get into all of it. Uh, if we haven't chased you off already, we're talking about Spring Stampede 1994. <laughs> and hey, everybody, oh. Greg's back. Yo. And uh, thank you for to Jimmy Palato for filling in last week. If you guys want to check out his other work where he talks more, because he's, you know, Greg, he's an avid uh, wrestling fan, so he only watches sometimes. Good God. <laughs> I had to bring that one back. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he doesn't watch a whole lot of wrestling, but he did watch wrestling. Uh, huge fan in uh, 2006 era. So that's why I had him fill in last week for Lockdown 2006, which, by the way, was an awesome show. Have have you watched uh, that show back recently? I did watch it. I just I didn't have time to record it. But yeah, I watched it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Schedules and, and whatnot didn't didn't mesh up. So uh, and uh, when we did record, it was around A's opening day, and uh, well, Greg ain't missing that. So I'll miss but, the rest though, as bad as he's been. But <laughs> well, uh, for what I was gonna say for for all of you, if you want to check out uh, Jimmy's. Uh, other work. It's all on the Unhinged Sports Network. He's on Far End of the Bench, uh, and uh, he's he's on like three different podcasts. And I, I I'm sorry, all the names are escaping me at this point. But Far End of the Bench is his his main one. He talks all different kinds of sports, and uh, he's on UnhingedSN.com. So thank you to him for filling in last week. And obviously, we're not talking about the Nitro reboot today because, well. It's not on Peacock. Not that I was dying to watch that show or anything. This one was better. Uh, objectively better. But, uh, yeah, so we're having to rework our schedule a lot. Because two shows that we were going to review this month, are well, actually three, including this one, are not on Peacock. I was just able to find this show elsewhere. So that's, uh, them's the breaks, I guess. I, I don't know about you. I, I'm I'm more excited about reviewing this than I was about the Nitro reboot. Yeah, definitely. I don't really, honestly, some of the Monday night shows just kind of lame. Yeah, I, I, mean, I find I, it hard to give them ratings, honestly. Yeah, it's it's more of a storyline thing, especially when we review like stuff from the Monday Night Wars or whatever, and some of the stuff from the Ruthless Aggression era, like the Raws and a couple of the Smackdowns, were were, were pretty were pretty damn good and had one or two amazing matches on them, but it's more about talking about the story, the news surrounding it, and whatever. I mean, we did review a Raw uh, last year, last October, now in the archives. I forget the exact date, but it was the one where Triple H and Kane had their casket match in the main event. And you guys have showed up for that one and downloaded it, and you all loved it, so that was a sleeper show for me. I didn't think it was going to be as big of a hit but hey whatever gets you off i guess but anyway uh yeah we'll get into all the news and notes here in a second but i do want to let everybody know that we are sponsored by fubo tv and fanatics if you want to cut the cord check out fubo tv the link's down in the podcast description and fanatics as well with all the sports going on right now and with people actually being allowed in a lot of areas to actually see their sports teams live again you're going to want to pick up some new merchandise from fanatics it's all authentic gear greg loves it so do i and uh also subscribe and review please if you were listening to the podcast version of this not on unhinged then 
subscribe and uh, get notified when we have new shows and leave a review because that helps us get seen. So thank you all and uh, spread the word as much as you can as well. Word of mouth is a big friend to indie podcasts. So you want to dive into the news and notes from here, Greg? I do. All right. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, so let's do some good stuff. There, there are a couple really big stories, and I didn't, and I've talked to you about this before. You say, well, I thought you playing some of these around news. It's like, honestly, no. <laughs> it just ha- works out serendipitously that way. Yeah. Uh, the, that's, that's a happy little accident right there. And uh, if you tell anybody, I will come to your house and I will cut you. <laughs> that was a, a family guy thing. But anyway, uh, we're going to take our first break of the podcast. When we come back, it's news and notes time. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. It's the very best of professional wrestling's past every Monday on Retro Wrestling Review. I'm your host, Troy, and together we'll hop on my time-traveling wrestling ring and watch along to the greatest matches from yesteryear in the sport of kings. As complex, as controversial, and as brilliant, really, as he is. On Triple R, we'll cover matches from across the world, including American territories, Canada, Mexico, and Japan. Fast action, lots more than that. You'll learn some things, find out about wrestlers and matches you never even knew about, and we'll have some laughs. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Retro Wrestling Pod. Retro Wrestling Review is available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube, served up fresh every Monday morning. Unbelievable! The crowd! Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right. We are diving into the news and notes from early April and mid-April of 1994. And there is a lot to get into. And I also want to remind all of you, if you're not listening on the Unhinged Sports Network, check us out, unhingedsn.airtime.crow. We are live at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Uh, this is all Eastern, by the way. 8 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Thursday, and 8 p.m. on Mondays. So you can do the math for Pacific time on that. Just subtract three. There you go. Yeah, but right. I don't know. Time zones. But anyway, the Justice Department uh, dropped one of the charges against Titan Sports in the steroid trial. The government side says that it's, quote, for tactical reasons, while the WWF claims that uh, that just means that they have no case. That now means that the government is no longer attempting to seize Titan Towers, which I forgot they were trying to do that. They were just trying to seize all assets. But they're no longer attempting to seize Titan Towers as part of the proceedings. 
so it guarantees that the company will stay in business no matter what happens. The trial begins on May 2nd in Uniondale, New York. Because <laughs> we all thought it was going to fold. <laughs> well, there, there's still a chance at this time, I think, of Vince going to jail. Because I want to say this was the time where he brought in, Huh, Jerry Jarrett, well, you know. Huh. Huh, well, you know, Vince, if, you know, well, you know, if you go to the clink, you know, well, I, you know, huh, I'll, I'll keep it open. His old white ass would say the clink. Yeah. Uh, he No, he probably called it the poke. Like, well, you know, if, if Vince goes off to the pokey, you know, well, huh, you know, uh, how's his rear end going to feel? Well, you know. Holy crap. Boom. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what they do in jail. They go Let's straight die. to the ass. please. <laughs> uh, sorry, but. Uh, look, Jim that better, Cornette... That better make it in. Oh, another one. Boom! Oh. That was but, unintentional. <laughs> good grief. But anyway, Jim Cornette and uh, Dave Meltzer keep going with this. They're like, well, of course, that's why he brought Jerry Jarrett in, was to run the company if anything happened. Whereas, you know, Bruce Pritchard was like, hell no. He just brought him in to see if he had any ideas and he didn't so he let him go what you can sell are we talking that's an idea yeah <laughs> Bruce Pritchard still tells the story about how he was telling Vince's chef how to make chicken salad as if she didn't know and he said she was like shaking in anger when he went into the kitchen he's like it's an old ass thinks I don't know how to make chicken salad Oh, didn't they, man. Didn't they, yeah, they had already been employing Jeff Jarrett, right? Yeah. So. Uh, in 94? I, I, thought he came in in late, I believe he came in late 93. Uh, uh, I thought, well, because when we yeah, were yeah, watching in 94... Because in Royal Rumble 94, he's one of the guys that comes out and helps Yokozuna and all the goons keep the Undertaker in the casket. So, oh, he's definitely really? there. Yeah. Huh, I I don't remember that. I'll have to go back. Because in before he gets kicked by Chuck Norris. So, yeah, he's definitely there. Oh, it was okay. It was '94 where he get yeah. Okay, I remember that kick where he just like oversold it, like he got shot. I was not oversold. That was Chuck Norris, dude. He's talking about you shut your mouth. Yeah, yeah. The man who was only able to get his roundhouse kick up to like Jeff Jarrett's like waist. <laughs> That's all he needs to hit. You want me to hit him in the head? That man can kill him probably. What's wrong with you? <sighs> oh, at least get it up to his chest. I don't know. It's just like I, I felt like Jarrett. Like, I, don't get me wrong, Jeff, uh, Chuck Norris, we can make all the jokes we want, but he was a bad dude, but I just thought, oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to mess with him, and he's, like, old enough to be my grandfather, but, yeah, I don't know, there's, there's differing stories about that, uh, you know, why the hell Jerry Jarrett was, was ever there, but, uh, yeah, the, according to Bruce Pritchard, but the thing is, you know, he was there because, you know, he was there. The thing is, I can't believe any of the sources that will actually talk about the story. You can't believe Cornette, because he's effing Cornette. And he hates uh, him, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Jim Cornette is is big friends with Jerry Jarrett, and, you know, he's... Oh, I thought he hates him. No, no, he, he loves... He hates everybody, so I don't know. <laughs> right. No, he loves anybody with the last name Jarrett. He, he's, you know, if you came from Tennessee, more than likely, he, like, just loves you to death. So he loves Jerry Jarrett and everything Jarrett's ever done. Uh, you can't believe 
Dave Meltzer because effing Dave Meltzer. And, you know, and he was there, Greg, so he knows. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> and you can't believe... It's like, what was the name of that, that, that NBC reporter, Brian Williams? Remember, wasn't he said, I was there or oh, something like God, that? Got, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, he, he almost me. got shot down. Yeah. Saw dead bodies floating by his hotel. It's, yeah. Yep, yep. But, uh, but the other Hey, I don't, dis- I'm not gonna dispute him saying he saw dead bodies by his hotel. He probably did, but. Well, apparently he didn't, because where he, his, because ho- that was part of the thing. They said, your hotel was nowhere near any action ever. He said, oh, I saw dead bodies floating, uh, down the street and whatever, because the streets were flooded. They're like, no, you're nowhere near any of that. Like, what do you, what are you talking about? It was all a dream. Yeah. Oh, Where's I'm sorry. Shout out? Sorry, I, I dropped some acid and fell asleep listening to the doors. Um, what but, the hell? What oh, weed and Pink Floyd. Why the hell do you got to go I, there? I don't think weed and Pink Floyd would make you see dead bodies floating by your hotel room, but I could I could be wrong. But uh, you can't believe Bruce Pritchard in this either, because Bruce Pritchard is the one that hates him. Because and and even Cornette admits he's like, well, I don't blame Bruce for hating him because Jerry Jarrett talked down to him like he was the houseboy or something. So uh, he's got good reason to hate him. So either way, all the sources in that story are tainted. But uh, it all comes down to you know, the government's case is falling apart against WWF. So either way, speaking of cases falling apart against uh, with the WWF. This one did not, actually. It uh, held up pretty well. Jesse Ventura was awarded a little over $800,000 by a St. Paul jury in his lawsuit against Titan Sports over videotape royalties. The actual suit stated that Titan Sports lied to him during negotiations over videotape royalties, where they claimed that only performers who didn't receive royalties and therefore uh, Ventura wasn't entitled to any. For example, (laughs) this is... A funny way to put it, and I'll get to why here in a second, but they they said, for example, Jim Duggan might get royalties from the best of Jim Duggan, but he wasn't entitled to entitled to royalties for appearing at WrestleMania. This turned out to be... <laughs> the best of Jim Duggan. The person holy, who wrote the... Holy hell. <laughs> yeah, the person who wrote this story is a smartass, and they were like, which is the shortest tape of all time. <laughs> no, that's still Al Snow, to be fair, but... Hey, right. Uh, but... Uh, anyway, this turned out to be completely fraudulent, and thus the agreement signed by Ventura waived all rights to future money was declared null and void. So, to put this in a, in a little bit of perspective, though, Ventura was asking for about $2 million in royalties, claiming that that was fair market value. And then the WWF countered with, like, 150000 And then the jury decided 800000 so he got eight hundred grand. It's not bad, but no, it's a good payday. And and apparently this changed everything for how the WWE did royalties because up until Ventura, Ventura was like, you could say whatever you want about him, and some of the stuff he did was assish. I mean, he was never afraid to stand up for something good, bad, good, bad, or indifferent. Got to respect that a little bit. I stopped respecting him when he said that Fidel Castro was a good friend. And he was sad he was dead. Did he? Oh, God. Oh, I didn't know he said that. Well. Oh, yeah. I think it's still on his Twitter timeline from the day he died. Huh? Oh, gosh. Ah, I I don't even know what to say about all that. That's, um... Okay, then. Well, uh... Supposedly a decorated U.S. Marine here, folks. 
No, yeah, Navy SEAL, which, as much as I love the Marines, is even harder. (laughs) So that's, uh, it goes, like, if you're talking about, like, toughness of, like, training, it's, like, uh, SEALs number one, Marines close second, and then everybody else is, like, below that. Not saying they're not hard. I respect all of them, but uh, I'm just trying to put perspective here for everybody. But yeah, what about the Coast Guard, man? Come on. Good lord. Uh, move on, move on, move on, move on. <laughs> uh, uh, apparently, apparently, uh, Ventura got the idea to do this, by the way, when he was in Hollywood and found out the way that they do cuts then, where it was like, uh, I think it was like a 75-25 cut where the studio gets 25 and the actor gets 75, whereas in wrestling, they said it was basically flipped, where the company gets 75, the wrestler gets 25. And he was like, yeah, that's that's not okay. And he went back to WWE. They told him to go pound salt. And so he took him to court. So and he went this. to WCW and did nothing. Yeah, basically. Well, uh, Eric Bischoff was actually asked about this because Conrad Thompson asked him this story. He's like, so did this change how WCW did royalties? And he said, not at all, because the way WCW was doing royalties was actually the right way, apparently. And uh, Turner Broadcasting handled all of that crap. So he said, we had to change nothing. Okay. So, that's good, at least. Uh, but staying on Ventura, by the way, although he won the decision for videotape royalties, the WWF narrowly avoided disaster when the jury ruled against Ventura's claims about action figure royalties. Uh, had he won that suit, then every performer from the early 80s to until today would have immediately sued Vince's ass off and uh, probably won. Hmm. So I don't know what the whole deal is with I, I I didn't see much about the the royalties about toys. So I don't oh, know man, how I gotta buy toys. <laughs> Good grief. Uh but yeah, I, I don't know what the royalty thing was for that. I know I, I know wrestlers have talked before about like uh every time they get a toy and uh, they said like once like I think maybe once a year or a couple times a year, they would get a check in the mail, with a, you know, however much from the sale of their toys. So I know, uh, speaking of royalties, not not to digress too much on that, but I know uh, Cornette said for, uh, he, he knows, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt that the WWE Network destroyed these, the like, the, the videotape DVD royalty thing. He said it completely destroyed that because he said, until the WWE Network launched, and I guess today he still gets, like, checks in the mail, like, royalties and stuff from WWE, but he said he used to get, like, pretty good-sized checks for, like, you know, DVDs sold that he was on. Now he said he gets, like, five bucks a year or something like that. Well, he can, he's got his Patreon money, he's fine. Oh, yeah, well, he, he, he doesn't have to worry about that crap. I, who the hell is paying for Patreon for this guy, by the way? AWA <laughs> I, I, I don't know, because, like, my thing with uh, Cornette is, like, if anybody actually looks at his podcast, he does two a week, and both of them are, range anywhere from, like, two to three and a half hours long. So, how much effing Cornette do you need in your life where that's not enough? I, I can't even, I can't imagine loving anyone that much. From the clips on YouTube, I assume his whole show is just AEW fashion. Uh, that's his most popular stuff, but there, I, I know there for a while he was reviewing Raw and SmackDown, but he cut that off pretty quickly. Uh, he only did that for like two months, and then he gave up. 
he'll review WWE pay-per-views and stuff, though, so... I don't know. And then he'll talk about the good old days and go through his, his old notebooks that he, he kept, like, the weirdest effing notes of all time. Well, he's a historian. I mean, I respect that. It, it is cool, but it's just like, he's man, no, you... He's no Bill Apter, but he's a historian. Yeah, right. Yeah, and... Uh, Bill Apter, by the way, the only guy, writer, or whatever, I can respect. That's it. Yeah, I've never heard anybody in or out of the business, ever complain that, that damn Bill after you see what he's printing? <laughs> so It's like uh, the Burt Sugar of wrestling. I don't even know if you know who that is. But... Uh, the name sounds familiar. He's a boxing historian, probably like the greatest one ever. Ah, okay. You've probably seen stock footage of him. He always wears a hat, he's got a suit on, I think he always had a cigar in his hand. Well, that if that doesn't yell, I'm with the boxers, <laughs> then I don't know what does. <laughs> Spoiler, he was white, by the way. Uh, yeah, go figure. Just say, like, every old white grandpa ever. I believe my grandpa might have done that. <laughs> yeah, so the uh, <laughs> the point I was going to make is, like, kind of the anti-Cornette here, but it's kind of, it, it fits, but it's like, you're giving that much time and that much money to Cornette. It's like, the most devout Christians don't give that much time to Jesus throughout the week, all right? Oh, man. So when he bucks talk- on the collection plate, Trump's... 15, 20 bucks, whatever they're paying on his, uh, Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Plus all the merch they buy from him. Oh, gotta buy that one of him pissing on, uh, Vince Russo's grave. He it's kind of funny has... how we're literally comparing donating money to God and the devil. I just, I love that. <laughs> right. Well, sticking around, uh, the WWF here, a couple of random stories. I, I threw them in here just because you were watching, you know, you were a fan that could actually know what the hell you were watching at this time, so, uh, Wanted to see if you had any memories. Uh, Jerry Lawler debuted his new King's Court segment at the WWF TV tapings in Utica on April 11th, including a segment with Nikolai Volkov that went nowhere. Was this one when Volkov joined the Million Dollar Corporation? Uh, that's actually my next story here was, uh, speaking of Volkov, Ted DiBiase will be managing Nikolai Volkov, okay. who is now penniless and will be humiliated by DiBiase on a regular basis. God, he was just saddled with crap. I just got his—I just got his elite figure, by the way. He was just saddled, oh, saddled with crap. I mean, yep. and I feel bad too because he was like part of the like. I mean, he was a proud Russian, and like he took crap yeah. obviously because of the Soviet Union. And then when it like collapsed, he became like an American Russian. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I know they came out with a Mattel figure of him with the American flag on his trunks. Was this around? Was this pre or post? I'm proud to be an American. That was post, I believe. Okay. Wait, Mattel? You mean? No, I'm, I'm talking or? like. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking like right, like during this time period. Was he? Had he already done that? And now he had already done that. Yeah, I think okay. now he's like broke and he's got like brown hair now. Like he has hair. Period. He, he always shaved his head. Um, yeah, he looked disheveled. Yeah. Go back. Yeah. And the, only, the only, the only pay per view I can give you any reference to see him on is WrestleMania 11 in the main event. He's one of the guys outside. That's what he looked like in this run. Yeah, I remember that. And and he wore like a almost like a tuxedo T-shirt. Yes, and of a dollar sign had a set sign. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Even so as like stupid. a ten-year-old kid, I looked at that like, wow, he's only worth a few pennies. Like I literally thought this. <laughs> That's messed up. Yeah, it's stupid. <sighs> well, yeah, you know like, what? Though so- it was the occupation uh, gimmick era, and. 
didn't get one of those, so he should count as lucky stars. Yeah. No, he got a lack of occupation gimmick. Uh, well, that might be better, actually. <laughs> he, well, it, he could have he could have just been like, well, like Russia, I made some bad bets and I sunk all my money into Afghanistan. So oh <laughs> here I am. Leave me out of that one, please. Move on. <laughs> a lot of people don't know. That's why that, that's a major reason why the USSR failed was because of like ongoing, never-ending wars in the Middle East. That's why there's still Russian tanks there that they couldn't afford to get home. They just left them in the desert. They're like, eh, you have them. <laughs> We're coming home. <sighs> anyway, in random international wrestling news of the week, a Japanese newspaper claims that Tanya Harding signed a deal to appear at the All Japan Women's November 10th Tokyo Dome show, saying that no contract is signed, but it's a 100% chance that she will be there. Well... She was not there, so there was not a 100% chance. But, uh... That goes back to when taking a knee meant something. Good lord. When did... Was it this year where she got taken out? It had to be, because it's the only reason she'd be popular or famous, I assume. Well, she was, uh... Was she, was she Japanese? I forget. No, she's just is it? a white girl. Oh, oh, no, okay, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of, uh, Michelle Kwan. Um, Christy Yamaguchi, or her too. Wasn't Michelle Kwan? I don't. I don't know. I don't follow. I only know Christy because she's like from my city. So. Yeah. Okay. Michelle Kwan. Yeah. She. Uh, she's American, but she's of like Asian descent. Whatever. Uh. Why, why the hell? I realized she's a, a. A. Oh, I'm thinking. Was Tanya Harding the one who did the the you know the yeah. thing? Well, okay. Nancy Kerrigan to get her knee taken out. Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah. Okay, that's... I, I'm yeah. getting them confused. Tanya Harding's the one, yeah. She took a freaking... Her career took a damn nosedive after that, and... Uh, well, because well, she was always the other skater. That's just how it was. I, mean, just... I, I forgot they made that movie about her called uh, I, Tanya with uh, uh, Margot Robbie. a really good movie, actually. Check it out if you ever get a chance. Yeah, I don't remember I, why I watched it. I think it was, I think it was just playing on something, and I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, this is really good." It. I heard it was really sad, and it, well, like, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty I mean, accurate. But I love when people are like, "Well, it's not totally accurate." I'm like, "Whoa, yeah, you mean a they didn't, movie?" They didn't talk about her quote unquote leaked sex tape, which I don't believe was leaked. I mean, she did for publicity, but... <laughs> right? Uh, that was before leaking a sex tape got you really famous. Right. Uh, I'm looking at Tanya you, Kim Kardashian. Tanya Harding, who's famous for having a sex tape and being on skates. <laughs> Whereas, uh, yeah, that's, that's why I was like, I'm looking at looking at you, Kim Kardashian, who's now worth a billion dollars. One billion dollars. Uh, yeah. So January of '94 was when the 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 thing happened with with Kerrigan. So. <sighs> Man, I, so this was, had they figured out that she was behind it by April? Because maybe that's why I she think didn't everybody, show up. I think everybody knew, but didn't know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Wasn't she sleeping with the guy who did that, too? Or was, or or she just she paying? Was, was just some guy that knew him. So I okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember if she was sleeping with him, or if the guy she was sleeping with paid him. I, I, for, I forget which, which way it happened. Either way, this was, um... Yeah, not a good story. Moving on to uh, other international stuff here. 
The team of Love Machine and Eddie Guerrero, playing stereotypical Americans for the Mexican crowds at AAA, are getting a huge push as heels on top. I don't know why that's funny. It makes me laugh that Eddie Guerrero, who just played like the stereotypical, like, fiery Mexican here, you know, in America, his whole career. In Mexico, he was the white boy. Like, his name was literally, or the, the, one of the names of his team was like Los Gringos Locos or whatever. So, yeah, he, he was, uh, he was not born in Mexico. If anybody remembers, Gringo. he was born in El Paso. I think Gringo just means, uh, non-Mexican, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, because I think that movie Get the Gringo or whatever, I think the guy was black. So I think it Get just means non-Mexican. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. There was, a, there, well, there was another movie, I think, called just The Gringo, and that one was, uh, Mel Gibson, but either way that's kind of like um, leave that obvious joke alone <laughs> but the guy's name is literally his last name is Guerrero and he's the gringo whatever uh you you know that he got uh, he started doing the the frog splash because of love machine art bar right mm-hmm. yeah I see I didn't know that until a few years ago I, I thought that just both of them did it but no apparently that was an art bar had a beautiful Frog Splash, that uh, Eddie started doing it after Art passed away as kind of a tribute. Then he just stuck with it. Art Bar had a really weird story that I'm not going to get into here. Uh, lots of rumor and innuendo, but you all can uh, check that out for yourself. Throw them into your Google machine. Lots of reading material for your afternoon. Anyway, speak, speaking of touchy subjects here... Road Warrior Hawk was arrested for assault and disorderly conduct stemming from an incident on March 10th in St. Paul, Minnesota. A 19-year-old girl claimed that Hawk and five other men were harassing them at a movie theater and called the girl, who is black, a very bad name. Uh, Hawk pled... Gee, I wonder what they said. Well, I can think of a few things. Uh, (laughs) uh, Hawk pled not guilty, and the hearing is set for the end of the month. Oh, Hawk. He, uh, he did some things. You don't say. Yeah. I mean, before he died, he tur- he pulled the nose up. I mean, it's, it's kind of those, like, a uh, happy, sad story where it's like, well, I'm glad he pulled the nose up right before he died, and he got things together, and he became a good guy, and he found God and all that good stuff. And, uh, and he left good memories, you know, before, right before he passed away. But then it's sad because it's like he passed away really young, just out of out of nowhere, because of all the crap... I, I guarantee it's because of all the crap he put his body through previously. Kind of like Eddie Guerrero. Like, Eddie, you know, turned his life around, became a much better person, and, and uh, all that good stuff before he died, and kicked all of his bad habits. But, I mean, there's only so much you can do to your body before it just catches up with you in the future. So, poor Hawk. But this was a uh, obviously not a good time in his life. Was this, uh, this was after his first WWF run, but before his second one, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't, did he pop up in WCW after this? I, yeah, yeah. You on Nitro a couple times. No, oh, see, I missed that, that era of the Road Warriors. I just, I mostly remember their NWA stuff and then their later WWF stuff when I was watching weekly. Uh, I don't know if you saw this this one, Greg, but uh, the two-hour Thunder in Paradise movie, which serves as the pilot for the series, aired nationally last week. Hell yeah, I watched it. 
my parents had it on videotape. That was a videotape. Yeah. Uh, Google VHS, people. Uh, that, uh, yeah, they, they recorded it, and I, I don't know what that says about my family, <laughs> but there you go. I love Thunder in Paradise. You know, I don't think it was bad. People make, can make jokes about it, but uh, especially, you know, when compared to other things we've seen. I mean, I mean, come on. Was this more campy than, say, uh, what was the big one with Pamela Anderson? I'm, I can't Baywatch. think. Baywatch. I don't know why I was blanking. Uh, I'm pretty sure more... this was inspired by Baywatch, actually. Oh, I'm sure it was. And I thought it was better. I mean, it didn't have the, you know, running large-chested women on the beach, but, you know, that's... It had other things. I mean, it had a big-chested male lead, so, uh, blonde, so, I mean, there's that. That works no? for me, brother. <laughs> yeah, right. But apparently it was a rating success. The first episode of the show also aired, and Uncle Dave agrees with the critics and says that it's pretty awful. Well, well so was Uncle Dave, so... <laughs> oh... Uh, I was, wait a minute, you mean to tell me that Uncle Dave wasn't just, like, coming out of his seat and praising something that Hulk Hogan did? <laughs> Go! Fig- like, no, I don't believe you. I still feel like he's jealous because, you know, he's a, you know, you've said this, he's like a well-built dude. I think he's still jealous because yeah. he never reached Hogan's level of, like, well, built Hogan had, Oh, well, Hogan had the largest pythons in the world, brother. So... <laughs> But uh, Sting played a bad guy in the first episode, and was pretty good. Uh, shark or hammer? Hammerhead? Hammerhead. Yeah. Uh, paintless, obviously. I mean, you're not going to have him on there in <laughs> Sting paint. That would be pretty stupid. Uh, but, yeah. That, that, this was still a uh, blonde Sting. I Wow, I don't remember that. I it was remember... really weird watching him as a bad guy, too. I mean, for obvious reasons. Right, yeah. He had literally never been a heel. I mean, which... And I don't count this, but if you're counting like when he was in the Blade Runners, I think he, him, and Hellwig might have been a, he might have been heels for for a minute. I don't know. But yeah, he was. He's always been a babyface, and then you see him like you're supposed to root against him, and he's going against Hulk Hogan. So Sting is rumored to be close to signing a deal to star in a remake movie, uh, a remake of the movie Hercules. Hercules, Hercules. I want to say no. I've never heard of it. And I've even heard of the really bad wrestler movies. So, I mean, there would be another wrestler years later who was awfully large, and he played Hercules. So, there's that. Yeah, I just, I, I don't think that ever happened. I mean, if, if, if it did, it got buried. <laughs> it got buried more than that, uh, that was that Savage Island, or uh, Return to Savage Island with Buff Bagwell in it. Never heard of it. We talked about it the uh, like uh, on an archived show. Don't ask me which one. I can't remember. But I brought up that he was going to be in a movie called Return to Savage Island. And I was like, so that means that Buff didn't get one B-movie. He got two B-movies because it was so bad they needed a sequel. Well, here's the stuff. <laughs> and this was before, you know, the whole it's so bad. It's, you know, we need to laugh about it and make 500 sequels on online thing with the Sharknado deal. Holy crap. Now, staying on, getting back to the whole Kogan talk here, this is the big WCW story. There's more, but um, this is a big one. Hulk Hogan has finally signed a contract with WCW. 
And by the way, no, I'm he not... has it. He doesn't sign it until they're at the parade. And Gene Okerlund gives it to him. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> like CM Punk signing his WWE contract on the Ring of Honor title. That was probably le- no. Totally I think legit. that was, wasn't that Seth Rollins. No, that was that was Punk because because uh, Punk came out and he was like they thought he was leaving and he's he's like why well, am leaving but not yet I'm still the champion and I'm gonna sign my new contract on your belt because f you all anyway I'm gonna dispute some of this at the end because there, there's a lot but anyway he signed his new contract with WCW and Titan now has 21 a 21 day window to match their offer or else Hogan will start against Ric Flair at the Okay, they just said the Bash pay-per-view, but this is July 17th, so that's at the beach, right? Yeah. Okay. Because they said, when I when I hear somebody say at the Bash pay-per-view, I think Great American Bash. Because usually they just say Bash of the well, Beach. Well, yeah, because I believe this is the first Bash of the Beach anyway, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, so I just, I saw the, I saw the date of July 17th, and I'm like, that's gotta be it. Um... But anyway, the uh, the question now becomes what Hulk's intentions are, because in theory, Vince could match the offer if he believed that Hulk had no interest in returning to the WWF. That way, WCW is barred from signing him, and Vince doesn't actually have to pay him any money. Uh, okay, that's the first... I'm going to pause right there, because there's more to the story. Eric Bischoff addressed that, and he was like, that doesn't make any sense at all. He's like, why, why would... Vince be able to match the offer, and then he's barred from signing with us. He, he yeah, had, right. He had no connections with the WWF this time, so Vince couldn't prevent him from signing with WCW. There was nothing he could legally do. Yeah, he could match the offer. He could make an offer, but Hogan was a free agent right here. He wasn't under contract. So I don't know what. Like, is Dave a legal expert now? Yeah. He was there. Of course. Well, yeah. <sighs> but there's more to the story here. Uh, it's believed that Hogan's deal is a short-term one, lasting through February of 1995. Uh, I'll, I'll, Let's see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, given that Thunder in Paradise is due to be renewed based on a strong initial uh, on strong initial ratings, one thing that Uncle Dave can confidently state is that. Hulk Hogan and WCW is not something that's going to be for the long haul. Oh, how'd that, okay. How'd that prediction work out for him? Well, it was not going to be, but then despite him, he signed longer. Yeah, well, plans changed. Like, really? Like, what the hell? That's, like, uh, freaking Bischoff talked about that in the past. He was like, because at the end of the year, Dave is still driving this home. Well, I don't know if they're going to want to uh, have him win at uh, Starcade because, you know, his contract comes up in a month or two. And Bischoff was like, why the hell would his contract come up in a month or two? We just signed him. He's like, I wouldn't have signed him to a six-month contract. That's stupid. Put him in the, big, uh, like the biggest pay-per-view ever. Right? Well, he has the biggest pay-per-view ever. And they're only yeah. going to keep him around a couple more months after that. I know. Yeah, we're okay. We're going to sign the biggest name in professional wrestling, and people can say whatever they want. I, like, you know, try to try to dispute me on that one. Try. I'm not saying he's the best I wrestler. Dare yeah, it's, come on and at me. At main event underscore marks. Like, you, I don't care if you hate him or, or love him or whatever, and I'm not saying he's the best wrestler in the world. I'm saying he's the biggest, most popular wrestler in the world in 1994. 
and you're going to sign him for six months and promote the hell out of him? Yes. Why? It just doesn't make any sense. Ugh. It just, but Dave said, you son of a bitch. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't even know, man. Like, on its face. I feel like you can say this anytime you say anything about Nelson. I don't even know. (laughs) It's just, on its face, it doesn't make sense. And it's stupid. But he is so adamant that this is real. And then come the time, he's like, well, he signed a new contract. There was no new contract. It was the same damn contract. Where are you getting your information? Uh, at this point, I'm going to say uh, Mike Graham. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe Mike Graham. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, by the way, the whole thing about Thunder and Paradise being renewed, uh, it was not. <laughs> so it went one whole season of 22 episodes, and that was it. Uh, I know, my, uh, as I previously mentioned, uh, my parents liked the show, so they were a bit disappointed, but, you know, whatever. And you were right, by the way. It was from the creators of Baywatch, so that's where the yeah, similarities. I think they had a they had a crossover at some point, I believe. That makes sense. And uh, in May of 1994, during a taping of WCW Saturday Night, Hogan publicly expressed a desire to return to professional wrestling and hinted that he would no longer be a part of the show. Y- yeah, that's why. <laughs> not, <laughs> not that the show got canceled, and you're just preempting it. <laughs> Uh, whatever. Hulk's gonna Hulk, man. <sighs> but anyway, uh, also signing deals with WCW were Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, believed to be two-year deals. That is, unless one or both of them gets fired before those deals expire. But how likely is that? Man, that's a uh, that one's a contract they wish they could have back. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it made them some money for a little while, and uh, I mean, I don't know if if both of them tested the water. I guess they did reach out to WWF, and WWF like had no interest, which I don't understand. I don't know. Even if you didn't want to keep them the Hollywood Blondes or in that same style of gimmick, I get it. Whatever. It's kind of funny that a guy with a thick southern accent is saying, I'm from Hollywood, not make movies. But, well, why not? That's what Cameron Grimes is currently doing. Well, isn't he? Well, he's like steering into the, the, the southern the southern gimmick, though, isn't he? Like, well, yeah, but he he bought all the GameStop stock and is a millionaire now. And so, yeah. oh, is that what the gimmick is? Yeah. I, okay, I thought maybe he won the lottery or something. That's funnier. I like that. I love <laughs> when they mention that. I lost my crap. They're like, yes, oh, take I advantage of this stupid crap. Yes, please. This is great. Makes uh, sense. I loved it. It's great. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's why you try to buy off Swerve. Uh, We'll say yeah. last week. Um, right. Yeah. By the way, when he dropped that money in the ring, those looked like legit $100 bills. They did, yeah. I've I, I been saying that since he's been doing it. Like, every time he walks in the back and gives production since his money, it looks like legit money. I'm, I'm wondering, it's like, did Vince, like, did, do they just walk up to Vince and they're like, hey, we need some prop money. And he's like, <laughs> let me pull it out of my wallet, pal. Apparently that was a thing, like, with Gorilla Monsoon back in the day. He would keep, like, a couple of thousand dollars in his pocket. And they were like, why do you have so much money in your pocket? He's like, well, I might want to buy something. Like, well, okay. Uh, but anyway, yeah, getting to the, the Hollywood Blondes, it's like, how could, in, in 94, how could you not see potential on these two? I, Austin was in the best shape of his career, I want to say, at this time. 
and he was about to get really hot and have a work a really hot program with uh, Rick, uh, Ricky Steamboat after all this. So I don't know. And Brian was about to hit his stride here before long. I think '95 was a really good year for Brian Brian Pillman. You you remember right all the kind of undercard matches he had for like TV titles and stuff in '95. Yep. Uh, another one here. Perry Darso is at the WCW TV tapings on April 5th in Columbus, Georgia. Oh, so he's please, likely coming in. Please tell me this is when he was the golfer. Uh, no, this was uh, right. He was going to pop up in early 95 or late 94 as a blacktop bully, remember? Oh, uh, okay. This was pre golfer. Then you become hole in one Barry Darso. A real yeah. thing, by the way. This was right before he got crap canned the first time. <laughs> Because uh, if anybody goes back uh, after Uncensored 95, him and uh, Dustin Rhodes, uh, they get kicked out of the company. So, ah, man, because, you know, a Rhodes has got to bleed, man, even on the back of a, a semi-truck. Last hiring, firing story. I've got one more big one after this, but Too Cold Scorpio was fired. No reason was given, but it was definitely a firing for violation of some sort of company policy rather than a suspension. Apparently, he admitted uh, he enjoyed smoking the reefer a little bit too much. Oh. Yeah. I'm so, shocked. Yeah. Eric Bischoff was asked about this, and he said, I would be hard-pressed to find anybody who smoked more weed than Ku Colt Scorpio. He said, <laughs> maybe Rob Van Dam. And he said the problem was, he was like, we weren't looking for people to fire for, for weed violations. He said he just never hit it. Like, he would be out in the parking lot in his car, in front of everybody, just puffing away on a joint. And he would come into catering, smelling like a bag of weed. So he's like, after a while, we have to do something. So yeah, he w- he said, if he would have even tried to hide it a little bit, nobody would have given a damn. <sighs> but yeah, Scorpio, he's another one. I've never heard anybody have anything negative to say about Too Cold Scorpio in any shoot interview or anything. I always I love, liked his stuff, I love too. Yeah, the long-lost Funk brother. He's to Terry and uh, and Dory what uh, Devon was to Bubba and Spike. No? No? no. Nothing? Nope. <laughs> Come on. All right, last story here. Uh, Missy Hyatt filed a claim with the Georgia Equal Employment Opportunities Commission, claiming that during her five years with WCW, she was frequently sexually harassed by supervisors, wrestlers, and cameramen, and was paid substantially less than her ma- than the other male announcers. Hyatt was not has not yet filed a lawsuit against the company, but has threatened to do so in excesses of two million dollars for back pay and emotional distress. There is word of a photo that was taken of Missy Hyatt when she got into the ring at Starcade '93, and her breast fell out of her outfit. That photo was blown up and hung in WCW offices, where other employees saw it. The EEOC is prohibited from releasing the names of alleged harassers. However, Hyatt's attorney says that several of her supervisors made demands for sex or asked her on dates, and that her co-workers constantly subjected her to public embarrassment. She claims that she stuck it out uh, only for the money, which was 75000 a year, uh, but that was upset when, or but she was upset when she learned that other announcers and managers were making upwards of $100,000 more than her. Lots to unpack here. I'd rather not and just move on. I don't want to talk about this woman. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, 
bit much. I, yeah, she, nothing came about from any of this that I know of. Like, I think, I, they might have paid her some hush money to go the hell away, and she just dropped it all and moved on. And I, apparently or it never one, happened, she made it all up. That too. Uh, according to Eric Bischoff, he said there was a picture that the, that, you know, was, he, but he said it was nothing like, her breast wasn't out. And he said it wasn't anything like too scandalous, and the guys in the locker she's room. She's literally saw done it. porn since then, so who cares? I know that's what that's what his point. He was like, she did porn until nobody wanted to see that anymore, and <laughs> and all this other stuff. So he's like, this was offensive to her. Like, good grief! And he's like, and she admitted to, and and other guys have admitted that she was passed around the locker room by her own. Like, it's it's not like she was forcefully, you know, not like she was forced into sex slavery or something. This was on her own choice. She made jokes about it in ECW. Like, do you remember that? with the What show were we watching where her she made that joke to Jack Victory in the backstage? That was the last ever one, I believe, Guilty as Charged. Yeah. So, it's like, where, did she say something about, uh, didn't I have sex with you or something? Like, not in those words, but yes. Yeah, or or no, it was like, uh, didn't I manage you or, or whatever? And she like, you managed yourself or something. <laughs> yep. He said you manage me, and she said you manage yourself. Oh, that that's what it was. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, and apparently, in it, she also alleged they forced her to play a bimbo character. And I love Eric Bischoff's response where he was like, "Well, we didn't really have much choice. She wasn't going to play a rocket scientist." <laughs> <laughs> He was like, we didn't force her to do anything. We told her, go out and be yourself. Ah, oh, man. Missy frickin' Hyatt. But all right. Uh, that does it for that. Let's uh, take our next break and uh, get into the event at hand. Real quick, just want to remind everybody, subscribe to the podcast if you were listening to it on the actual podcast feed. Thank you for that, by the way. And leave a review. The review helps us out big time because it gets us seen by more people, whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I think iHeart, you can do that, or whatever the hell you're using. And uh, just leave a five-star review and say something nice. But uh, we'll take our next break. Be right back with Spring Stampede. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. We right. shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go way there. back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast, then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Roadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, well... What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O... Okay, yeah, yeah. Hey, the ending. Hey, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the broadcast podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. 
Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. It is WCW Spring Stampede 1994. The date, April 17th, 1994. The tagline, Locked Horns, Bullish Tempers, Let the Stampede Begin. The, ven- the venue was the Rosemont Horizon in, it says Chicago, Illinois, but... I like it. Everybody says that, you know, because it's just, okay, it's Chicago, close enough, whatever. But WCW didn't, like, if you watch, they actually say, we're in Rosemont, Illinois. We were at that arena, too. Yeah, I know. I I, I was like, ah, we were at the same places. Oh, cool. The attendance was 12,200, and the pay-per-view buy rate was .53, which amounted to 125,000 buys. Not terrible, but not great. This was the first spring, spring stampede ever, and it was very a very southern-themed show, as you can tell by the name. Because, you know, when I think of rodeos and stampede, I think of Chicago. Hell yes! Uh, uh, it, it, was admitted by, it was admitted by, uh, by Eric Bischoff, by the way, this was a Dusty Rhodes name. He came up with this. So, I know... I, I'm going to give you a minute to, to soak that in and, and get over your shock and disbelief. But, uh, by the way, did you order this pay-per-view when it was live? I watched it at a friend's house. Oh, okay. Uh, Scrambler, or did you actually pay for it? That I don't remember. Okay. Uh, but this was WCW's largest crowd and gate since The Bash, where Sting beat Flair in 1990. This was Bobby the Brain Heenan's WCW pay-per-view debut on commentary after debuting at a recent Clash of Champions. Uh, do you remember his introduction to WCW, by the way? I do, yeah. I love that, because uh, when they were introducing him, it's uh, me, Gene Okerlund, and he was like, this is the worst news ever. Oh, gosh. He's like, Bobby Heenan, do you have to follow me everywhere I go? <laughs> that was great. Here's something for you. Danny Bonaducci was actually in a dark match for the show. Yes, the soulless man, Danny Bonaducci. Wasn't he on the radio at that time? I feel like this was a thing, because they had Mancow later. Yeah, he might have been. Uh, he faced and defeated Christopher Knight, who was Peter Brady. Oh, <sighs> my God. This was a real thing. And apparently, uh, Knight laughed throughout the entire match. So it made it even worse than it possibly could have been. Can't blame them. Gotta blame the people who put this on there. Yeah. Like, what one person was like, you know, I was on the fence about going to this show, but I heard they're going to put Danny Bonaducci and Christopher Knight on the pre-show, so I'm there. They couldn't even put it on the actual show. I mean, they're celebrities. That would be a draw, though. Well, that's another thing. Who's going to order the pay-per-view because they heard Danny Bonaducci was going to be there? I just, uh, whatever, I don't know. But Mean Gene Okerlund introduces us to Aaron Neville, who sings the Star-Spangled Banner. 
Uh, we start off the show with, I know, hold on to your pants for this one, Johnny B. Bad is in the opening match. And he's taking on Diamond Dallas Page with the Diamond Doll in his corner. This one goes for just shy of six minutes. Johnny B. Bad comes out dressed like a rhinestone cowboy. DDP doesn't look much better. This was the first WCW pay-per-view appearance for Kimberly Page, a.k.a. the Diamond Doll. So there's some trivia for you. Johnny wins with a, it wins a uh, below-average match with a sunset flip off the middle rope. This is probably the least impressive Johnny B. Bad opener I've seen. Uh, he'd hit his stride in 95. Uncle Dave gave it two and a quarter star. I gave it two. What do you say? This match sucked. I gave it one. I was shocked because I like I know people crap on him, but you and I talked about we liked Johnny B. Bad matches. Uh, he usually opened the show off hot. DDP's obviously great. But man, these like. And they actually had a pretty good match against each other in 95. This was horrible, man. And what was with DDP's outfit? Uh, yeah, he looked like he was trying to cosplay Kevin Nash or something. I know. Like, his, it, he, he looked like he was a little overweight. He had, like, a singlet top on with, like... Well, uh, he hadn't found DDP Yogi yet. <laughs> yeah, all right. <sighs> and we now go to Mean Gene Okerlund and Jesse the Body Ventura with his... Jesse's got his head shaved, except for a ponytail in the back of his head. That was, uh, something. <laughs> and he was wearing a suit. So basically, he looks about as normal as Jesse can look. Uh, they're plugging the hotline and, uh, the rest of the card. And also, they make mention of, uh, Okerlund said something to him about, he, he said, uh, well, you look like a million bucks. And Ventura says something about he's celebrating a big win in court or something like that, so... Had to get the WWF digs in there. But well, all right. Hey, when you're the little guy, you got to punch up. This is exactly what the idiots over in Jacksonville do today, so. Uh, don't direct your hate to me, please. If you're going to, don't at me. I'm just saying. But all right. Next match here, Lord Steven Regal with Sir William in his corner. He is defending the WCW World Television title against Flying Brian. This one goes for 15 minutes exactly. They break out Michael Buffer early for this one. Uh, Brian starts I think it was because it was a, t- a title match. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I figured. But usually they didn't break him out for, like, main events, I thought. So, I don't know. I mean, I, hey, more Michael Buffer. I'm not going to complain about that. But just, uh, I wasn't expecting it. Either way, Brian starts this one off hot. We get Tony Schiavone's famous call in this one of a full arm drag and twist. I still don't know if he's calling it a full-arm drag and twist, or full-arm dragon twist. <laughs> things to things to ponder. Anyway, uh, this, it's super slow starting off, but it picks up in the last, like, seven, eight minutes, I'd say. Uh, it all ends with a time limit draw. Uh, Uncle Dave gave this two and three quarters. I gave it three stars. What say you? I gave it three. I really like this match. It should have been the opener, actually. Yeah, I know. Like, especially when, I mean, you wouldn't think Johnny B. Bad versus DDP would be a terrible opener, but, uh, yeah. Well! Yeah, well, then that damn bell rang. (laughs) I would say that that's, I forget all matches on this card, but I'm going to say that opener was the weakest match on this entire card. I'm pretty sure it was the worst. I don't think I've ever said that of a a DDP match either. I know. He would get much, much, much better, people, so uh, hold on. 
In 95, towards the end of 95, he starts to hit his stride, so there's that. But now we go to Mean Gene Oakland backstage with Colonel Robert Parker and his new client, Bunkhouse Buck. Oakland says that <laughs> Buck is a fertilizer salesman. Uh, just Bunkhouse Buck. Something. Man. Uh, I know. But Buck says that Dustin's number has come up. Gene looks like he's super unimpressed with this entire situation as he sends it back to the ring. Uh, I just I still think about that Bunkhouse Buck and uh, Jimmy Graffiti match where they tore the house down. Bunkhouse Buck and who? It was a joke that Bischoff told. His name is Jimmy Graffiti, and Conrad's like, what's your favorite uh, Jimmy Graffiti Graffiti match? He goes, oh, there's this one house (laughs) show that nobody will ever see. Jimmy Graffiti and Bunkhouse Buck, they tore the freaking house down. I ended up giving them both a $100,000 bonus. Good lord. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I like I like that Bischoff had that one locked and loaded in the chamber. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that's great. Because usually Bruce, when uh, when when he says, "Oh, what's your favorite so and so match?" he will be like, "Uh, this one right here." <laughs> <sighs> but now we go to this one, which uh, I, I'm not even being sarcastic with with this one. It subverted all of my expectations. I'll just say that. It was the Nasty Boys versus Cactus Jack and Max Payne in a Chicago street fight. Falls count anywhere. It was not for the WCW tag team titles. Uh, well, I mean, the, that would that would make sense. Right. What? Greg, we've talked about this. You can't put the titles on the line in a match like this. It's too dangerous. You got to keep the 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 uh, the honor and integrity of those belts currently held by the Nasty Boys. <laughs> right. Anyway, this one went just shy of nine minutes. Oh, man, I'm going to die from sarcasm. Well, the as we said, the titles are not on the line for this one. Uh, two referees have been assigned to this one, you know, to keep a hold of the chaos. Uh, the crowd goes absolutely nuts for Cactus Jack, so I didn't know he was so super over at this point. I think he's on his way out, too. Yeah, he would be. They said he was going to go have surgery on his ear after this, but that never happened. Uh, the Nasty Boys jump Jack in pain before the bell even rings. Uh, this would be an ongoing theme throughout the night. Uh, Jerry Sags sets up a table on the elevated entry ramp, uh, tries for a pile driver on Cactus through it, but it breaks and they just fall. The match ends with multiple gravel shovel shots from Sags to uh, Cactus Jack, leading to a pin. I said it was a very fun match. Uncle Dave called this, quote, one of the wildest, sickest, most brutal matches you'll ever see. He gave it four and a quarter star. I gave it Good three stars. I gave it three stars. What say you? I gave it three as well. Four, really? Four and a quarter. Yeah. Like, what the? F- what? I mean, it was good, but like, damn, that's like, I mean, not to spoil, you know, later on, but it's like, that's like something you would give like Flair and Steamboat. <laughs> These were guys. I wonder if he even gave him that. I feel like he, uh. Did, oh, he, well, they were in Japan, so. <laughs> well, yeah, back. Well, the their 89 series, I think he gave five stars to all three matches. I could be wrong. Uh, go back in the archives, everybody, and figure it out. I don't feel like digging through my notes. But yeah, I mean, it was a really good match. I honestly was expecting, like, not a whole lot. But, I, like I said at the beginning, my, my uh, expectations were subverted. Jesse Ventura is interviewing Johnny B. Bad backstage. For once, Jesse is the normal-looking one here. Johnny says that 
He wants to face the winner of the Steve Austin versus Great Muda match for the U.S. title. So, yeah. Well, at least it's a continuation with the U.S. title, making it matter. Right. Well, up next, we do get stunning Steve Austin with Colonel Robert Parker in his corner. He's defending the United States heavyweight title against the Great Muta. It went for just shy of 16 and a half minutes. This was the first WCW pay-per-view appearance for Muta since Slamboree, or excuse me, since uh, Super Brawl 3 in 1993, and this would be his final one until uh, Slamboree, a Legends reunion in 95. So big gap. It's a dream match right here, man. Yeah, you, I mean, it, it, it kind of was. Uh, I said in, a, in an incredibly racist and offensive comment about Muda, who Uncle Dave is a fan of, by the way. Dave actually oh, said, God! Dave actually said, quote, I go to America, take steroids, get big. End quote. Oh. Yeah. You know, because and nobody... He, and he knows. Yeah, because nobody gets big by hard work and actually working out and doing the right stuff and eating right, Greg. It's always steroids. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm not... That's just, like... He he assumes anybody that's gotten mu- more muscular, oh, it has to be steroids. You know, because nobody just gets bigger. That never happens. Freaking idiot. Anyway. <laughs> How do you really feel? That's just so stupid. It's like, first of all, it's kind of, that's, like, the way he put it, hella racist. And second of all, it's just insulting and stupid. It's like, well, yeah, he's no better. Terms, you know, he'd be all over them. It's okay for him oh. to do it, though. Oh, well, yeah, because, you know, he does it lovingly, Greg. It's okay. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know he could, uh, put caveats on. Well, he would. As long as you do it this way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Colonel Parker gets involved uh, a couple of times here. Finally, Muda gets disqualified by purposely dumping Steve Austin over the top on top of Colonel Stupid. Parker. This was dumb. The the finish didn't kill the match for me at all, but it just, like, it brought me down. Uh, Uncle Dave gave it two and three quarters of a star. I gave it two and a half stars. I I felt they could have done better. What say you? Gave it two. Yeah. The finish took me out of it. Yeah. I was just like, really? Because I was starting to get into it. And then that. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Now we go to the back with Jesse Ventura. He's in the locker room with Dustin Rhodes asking him what's going to happen in the bunkhouse match later tonight against Buckhouse Buck. Uh, Dustin Rhodes says that there's a big difference between the T in Tennessee and the T in Texas. Oh my god. I don't know. I don't know what the hell that has to do with anything here, but whatever. Uh and he what? says he's gonna, And he says he's going to kick Buck's tail like it's never been kicked. Uh Michael the funniest thing about this whole thing is Michael Buffer jumps his in his uh his announcing a couple of times and he steps over Jesse's outro twice. I don't know if you notice that, because as Jesse's talking, he's like, our next and then there's like a pause and he's like, now our and then he pauses again. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's funny. You'd have to go back and hear it. Anyway, before the next match, Rick Rude starts his pre-match spiel about, yeah, fat, out-of-shape out of sweat hogs, but he's cut off by Harley Race. Harley tells both men that whoever wins, Vader wants the next title match. He then tries to cheap-shot Sting, but Sting blocks it, and he beats up Harley Race. 
Rude then tries the cheap shot. Sting next, but Sting beats crap out of him as well. And then the bell rings. I will that say, damn bell had a ring. I will say I've never seen a man take such an awesome uh, over-the-head bump while wearing a big-ass robe. So good on Rude. But this is Ravishing Rick Rude defending the WCW Inter- or International World Heavyweight title. There's a mouthful. Sting. This was the big gold belt for everybody out there. Because they when when Flair took the big gold to WWF with him, and he never sent it back, they came up with the new WCW world title. And then when Flair came back, they were like, well, now we can have two belts, right? So anybody that talks crap about WWE doing that, WCW did it first. Well, this one went just shy of 13 minutes. This was sadly the final in-ring WCW pay-per-view appearance for Rick Rude, and the final one for him, period, until uh, World War III, 1997. <sighs> yeah. For those that don't know why, they had a rematch of this in Japan, and uh, the ring is elevated. And when Sting did a body press over the top rope, Rude went back and hit his lower back on the raised platform's edge, and it effed his back up so bad he couldn't wrestle anymore. So, uh, WCW Commissioner Nick Bockwinkle is at ringside for this match. There were a lot of slow, boring moments early on in this one whenever Sting was on top. But when Sting makes his comeback towards the end, it starts to pick up. The referee gets bumped, and Harley Race comes down again, and he gets beaten up again. Then Vader comes down, distracts Sting long enough for Rude to make a comeback. Finally, Rude goes for the Rude Awakening on Sting. Harley grabs a chair, and he tries to hit Sting with it, but Sting moves, and, and Harley blasts Rude with the chair, busting him open hard way. Sting then pins Rude to win the title. The best part of this match was seeing Rick Rude flexing his man-ass. Good lord. It honestly wasn't all that good. Uncle Dave gave it two stars. I gave it two and a half. What say you? I gave it two, too. I can't believe how much I did not like this match. Yeah, it was it was fine. It just wasn't great. And, and it was sad that this was Rude's final pay-per-view appearance. <sighs> but anyway, we get to something a little better. Well, I guess depending on your view of things. But it is now Bunkhouse Buck with Colonel Robert Parker in his corner, taking on Dustin Rhodes in a Bunkhouse match. It went for just over 14 minutes. This was the first WCW pay-per-view appearance for Bunkhouse Buck. So, you know, you know that would go... The start of a legacy, man. Yeah, it was, it was the start of something huge, Greg. Like, we were witnessing history. You know, I've always wondered if uh, the Young Bucks ever reach out and make a call to old Uncle Buckhouse, Bunkhouse. Oh, my God. No? Not, no? Okay. That's their old Southern uncle, Bunkhouse Buck. Anyway, uh, Dustin gets busted wide open at one point, bleeding like a stuck pig. Both men mercilessly beat each other up with leather belts, and Buck gets busted open as well. Just when Dustin's about to win with a running bulldog, Parker gets involved, leading to Dustin beating him, beating him up. The match ends with Parker handing a foreign object to Buck, Buck punching Dustin with it, and he pins him for the win. Uncle Dave gave this one four stars. I gave it three and a half. I did really like it. What say you? I gave it two. I didn't really like it. It it could have been worse, though. I'll say that. 
I know this isn't a crowded field, but this was my favorite Bunkhouse Buck match ever. The fact so, that there's a Bunkhouse Buck match, you'll call your favorite one. I mean, like I said, it's not a crowded field. <laughs> so, what I, about that classic of Jimmy Graffiti? Ah, yeah, tore the house down, man. It just, yeah, this one was uh, really good. I mean, not that Buck did nothing, but I'm going to give most of the credit to Dustin Rhodes on this one. He starts the match out with, like, the, the, the sting spot, where he, like, runs to the ring and jumps over the top rope with a with a dive. I like that one. Hashtag dive. <laughs> uh, Jesse, this is the segment we alluded to in the opening, Greg. Jesse Ventura's backstage in Rick Rude's locker room. Rude is angry, and he's punching lockers while holding an ice pack on his head. He's bleeding out of his nose. Rude says that he didn't need any help from Vader, and Vader cost him the title. Vader busts into the locker room now, trying to fight Rude, and a ton of wrestlers bust in to hold him back. I sure as crap did not want to see Jerry Sags in a damn towel. <laughs> yeah. I did not need to see that. So this is like two WCW pay-per-views within a couple of months where we get one of the Nasty Boys shirtless. I'm yeah. just... I'm going to avoid classic WCW shows if I'm going to keep getting this, man. Let's see that... uh those rock-hard bodies, man? Come on. Oh, yeah. Moving on quickly. Up next, man, it's boss time. Oh, my <laughs> God, you said that. Uh, it's the boss taking on Big Van Vader with Harley Race in his corner. This is deemed a grudge match. Went about nine minutes. This was the final WCW pay-per-view appearance for Ray Trailer as the boss. Due to WWF threatening to sue WCW because the boss character is, well, they said it's too similar to the big boss man character. It is the big boss man character. <laughs> he's not, literally it's boss, not boss man, dude. He, he's literally wearing his boss man outfit, but instead of a blue shirt, now it's black. Exactly. Ooh. You know what? He changed it up enough. That's like when you change enough tunes in a song where it's not a ripoff. Yeah, we got it. We know Ice. We got it. <laughs> wow. Uh, yet again, we get someone that uh, getting jumped on the ramp to start the match. So there you go again. Vader's mask comes off almost instantly. I don't even know why he wore this damn thing. Uh, the boss dodges an attack by Vader. He makes Harley eat crap with a splash from Vader. Uh, Vader's right eye gets busted open. This was just three years after that same eye got popped out of socket in Japan by Stan Hansen. So uh, Vader should have really worn an eye patch. After the boss beats on Vader for the longest time, Vader ends up winning with a Vader bomb and then a Vader salt. Uncle Dave gave it three and a half stars. Mm, I gave it two and a half, leaning towards three. What say you? I was on the fence. I, I said three. I, did, I, I liked it very much. It was It was a hoss match. I'll say that. Not a boss match, a hoss match. Uh, they beat the crap out of I like out both of guys, too. I mean, not back, not back then, I didn't like Vader, but I like both guys, though. Yeah, yeah, they did. And Vader was apparently, like, kind of injured here, and he was still pulling off moonsaults and crap, so good for him, I guess, kind of. Anyway, after the match, Harley Race grabs the boss's nightstick and his handcuffs, but the boss gets him back and knocks Race out of the ring, and he's about to attack him with a nightstick, Harley can't cut a break tonight, man. He's getting beat up by everybody. Uh, Nick Bockwinkle. Right. Nick Bockwinkle finally gets in. He gets between Vader and the boss, sending the boss to the back. In the locker room, Jesse Ventura is standing by with Nick Bockwinkle and the boss. 
Uh, Bachwinkle takes the nightstick and the handcuffs from Boss, saying that he represents a lot of good people, and he's doing a lot of things the wrong way. And he tells him, quote, as far as I'm concerned, you're no longer the boss. Ventura then, <laughs> Ventura then clarifies that Bachwinkle officially stripped the name The Boss from Ray Trailer. So you got to pound it home. And then I had to get this one in because it was funny. Uncle Dave claims that The Boss will be repackaged into either The Vigilante, The Guardian Angel, which he was, or Buford Justice. <laughs> Man, I should have won that one. That one was shut up and take my effing money. <laughs> Asses in the seats for Buford Justice, man. Oh, good Lord. Holy crap. <sighs> they were leaving money on the table, so I'm saying. Buford Justice. <laughs> but alright, man. I've already made enough white jokes in this one, but still, let's do it again. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we're going to take our second to last break. When we come back, it's main event time. And uh, we'll get into that right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Sports fans are gearing up and saving big at fanatics.com. The world's largest collection of officially licensed fan gear. From all the leagues, teams, and players you love. Unique one-of-a-kind designs exclusively by Fanatics. And autograph collectibles from today's biggest stars shipped directly to your home. Join Fanatics Rewards for free to earn fan cash on every purchase. Shop now and for a limited time, get 20% off all orders. Fanatics.com, officially licensed everything. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. No one really tries to be unsafe online. Enter address for free tater tots. But every time you give up info and privacy... So I gave your birth date for free parking. That's how I got this robe. You may give up some safety too. Norton 360 with LifeLock has device security, a VPN for online privacy, and identity theft protection, all in one. No one can prevent all cybercrime or identity theft, but you can save 25% or more off your first year. Opt into cyber safety at norton.com news. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. Just reminding you all, if you're not listening to us on the Unhinged Sports Network, it's unhingedsn.airtime.pro. If you're listening on a Wednesday and you're tuning in late, we're playing on Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern times. So tune in for that, 4 p.m. Pacific. Now, we covered a trilogy of these guys from 1989. It is in the archives, all three of those events. Uh, but now we're covering another one. It is Ric Flair defending the WCW World Heavyweight title against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in 32 minutes, 23 seconds. Steamboat is still dressed like his The Dragon gimmick from WWF. Still breathing fire and all that good stuff. Commentary. I, I missed the Hulk Hogan references a few times throughout the show. Um, I caught a oh, couple. They of hammered them, it home. 
dude. Yeah. I guess uh, in pre-show interviews, Ric Flair said he he had tickets waiting for Hulk Hogan to, to sit at ringside and watch him. And so they, they were making it clear. They, they actually, Bischoff said he thought Hogan was going to be at the show, but uh, there was scheduling conflicts, so it didn't happen. That's a shame, brother. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't work for me, brother. Chicago? Nah. Well, it's not uh, Chicago. It's Rosemont. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Flair gets thunderous cheers for his entrance, so he's just mega over here. He was kind of playing a tweener at this point. Uh, Beth Flair, Charlotte's mom, is at ringside. Michael Buffer reminds us that the last time these two wrestled for the world title in Chicago, Steamboat won. As I said, now in the archives, Chi-Town Rumble 1989. Uh, this is a great technical bout that ends with Steamboat. He picks him up in the double chicken wing, and he falls back with Flair laying on top of him, and the ref counts both men's shoulders down. I think they did the exact same finish at Chi-Town Rumble. So, same thing. Although that show, I think they gave the title to Steamboat. This one, they gave the title to Flair. So, I'll get into that in a second. But Uncle Dave gave it four and a quarter stars. I gave it even four. I thought, especially compared to their 89 stuff, it wasn't as good. But what say you? Yeah, for that last part you said, I gave it three. Man, kind of underwhelming, but still really good. Well... And I'll get into uh, a little bit of that here in a second. But to uh, wrap up the th- this match here, Nick Bockwinkle declares that since no definitive winner could be decided upon, Ric Flair retains the world title because in the uh, in a draw, the champion wins, whatever. So Bockwinkle says that he's going to take it up with the board of directors and the championship committee to figure out what their next step will be. It ends up leading to a rematch on WCW Saturday night that went about 45 minutes. First of all, that 45-minute match, uh, a lot of people said that one was actually better than this one. So I haven't seen it, so I can't, uh, you know, judge. Uncle Dave said that this pay-per-view is amongst the best of all time for WCW. And we'll get into that with our final ratings. But I mean, up until this point. Maybe. I don't know. I, I'd really have to think hard about it. Uh, but about the main event, uh, Uncle Dave kind of went on a on just like some long soliloquy about it. I'm not going to bore everybody with, but he said, it's kind of unfair to expect that (laughs) he said, uh, you know, to expect the same result here as we got five years ago is kind of unfair. The business has changed. Flair and Steamboat are older. It's not going to be the same. And they're no longer the best wrestlers on every card. They're just two really good wrestlers on the card, which I, yeah, I get it. And you also got to think there's not, you know, wild, crazy, hardcore brawls on the undercard back in 89 like there is now. But all right, that wraps up the show. Uh, We're going to get into the final ratings and what's to come next week right after this final break of ours. We'll be right back. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Susan wanted to turn the garage into a yoga studio, but her husband thought a home office would be more practical. It can be tough to get her chakras in line. Yeah, Susan's had to compromise a lot these days, but not when it comes to cutting the cord. 
Fubo gives her all the sports she wants, as well as all the shows her family loves. Don't compromise. Get all your favorite sports and TV shows. Go to FuboTV.com. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. Final ratings time. As I said, Uncle Dave said he thought this was one of the greatest WCW pay-per-views of all time at this point. A lot of people still love it. IMDb gave it 7.3 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 8.79 out of 10. I gave it an even 8 out of 10. Probably a B, I guess. What say you? I think I gave it a B plus. So you really liked this one? I did. This is I guess one, I could I, agree with them being one of their best ever up to this point. Yeah. And if you're not factoring in NWA as well, if you're just going WCW, then yeah, definitely. Um, it was a really good show. I enjoyed it. It was not one that I wish I had that one back at the end where it's like, man, how much time did I waste, you know? Yep. <laughs> but... That does it for that one. Uh, like I said, we have to change up the schedule a little bit because of, um, you know, Peacock and what they do and don't have uploaded yet. So this one is on the 14th. Next week on the 21st, we're going to cover our second lockdown of the month. We're going to get into TNA Lockdown 2011. Uh, we're going to talk about that, uh, like I said, on the four- or, excuse me, the 21st. And everything else after that, I really have to look at. It's kind of up in the air at this point, unfortunately. Um, and I'll figure it out. I'll come back to everybody when I got to figure it out. But TNA Lockdown 2011 is next week. That's Immortal versus Fortune in the Lethal Lockdown. And uh, yeah, we'll 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 talk about it on social media. And uh, one last time as we're wrapping up, we are sponsored by Fubo TV and Fanatics. Links are down in the podcast description. Let them know that we sent you. Thank you for joining me again on this one, Greg. (laughs) And we will see you all next week with Lockdown 2011. (sighs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work. 
but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.